Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends, yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right, let's do it. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. So the president is now facing at least talking about this scandal with the classified documents. Well, he doesn't want to talk about it, but he he apparently feels the urge to whenever he's asked about it, which is good news for us because it's endlessly entertaining and great to catch this guy and lie after lie after lie with this, Mm -hmm. which we already have over the last almost two weeks now. Uh, So President Biden was in California yesterday talking about the recovery efforts after the massive storms and flooding. Horrible. Uh, What's going on? The interesting thing to me, because a lot of us are kind of believing that somebody is sending the message at the very least to Joe, you're not running for 2024. Got to get some new blood in there. Yep. And the remarkable thing about watching this video is who is in the background other than the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. God, I saw that. Wearing the matching hat. His Wearing teeth the- blinded <clears throat> me. Yes, and he is right back there. Who has been? He's been talked about as potentially a national player in the Democratic Party. And there he is. And it's almost like he's he's staring at this saying, that's going to be my podium soon. It's going to oh, yeah. be my podium. Yeah. It will never be his podium, but he thinks it will be. Uh, now he took now Joe Biden, the current president, uh, took one question after the speech, and he really didn't like that it was about the classified documents hoarding. Roll it. You know, the only I, I will answer the question, but here's the deal. You know, what quite frankly bugs me is that we have a serious problem here. We're talking about we're talking about what's going on, and the American people don't quite understand why you don't ask me questions about that. But having said that, what's your question? It seemed to me like he forgot why he was there. We're talking about yeah. whatever it is we're here to talk about. Right. <laughs> you know the thing. Yeah. And you're asking me about this thing that I've been caught lying about. Why would you do that? Uh, the question, by the way, was, do you have any regret that you did not reveal the existence of the documents that were first found back in November before the midterms? Just hang on. Okay. Look, as we found... Uh, we found a handful of documents were failed uh, or filed in the wrong place. We immediately turned them over to the archives of the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find there's what? nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Thank you. <laughs> what a perfectly red statement. I mean, go ahead, David. I'll let your take go first. Well, I, he says they were filed in the wrong place. That might stand up to scrutiny if you're talking about they were filed in wherever documents were kept at the Penn Biden Center, the think tank. That might make sense. Why are they on the in the garage? That's not, and why that's, do you have no regrets? Yeah, right. Well, the regret obviously would be at the least. Let's say it was just a little uh, mistake. Yeah, you know what? Um, I certainly, you know, regret that. No regrets. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, one of the things a leader does, you own up to your mistakes. Hey, we're still trying to figure out how they got there. I mean, there's a million ways they lie about this. But there's more questions after he said that than answers. I mean, stating the obvious. So again, and we don't know how many more documents are out there. There could be more. But it doesn't take, you know, your brain to go too far back in the memory bank to remember Trump with all of the classified documents and how the media treated that as opposed to this it's a completely different situation i know cnn has done a little bit of digging on this but for the most part and what are we hearing now this statement of you know these classified documents so one of the problems is everything is classified so it's hard to keep it all straight you know exactly what's classified and what's not and there was some leakage with uh, these classified documents okay Uh, there's some spillage what? Wait a second. We were told just a few months back that if you were in possession of these, I mean, you, you could be facing jail time. And now it's, well, I mean, th- this sort of thing happens. It's totally a mixed message. Yeah. yeah. And if you had of a garage and you have a car in the garage and there's a box sitting there, eventually, aren't you curious about what's in the box? In the file, whatever it, yeah, whatever it whatever is. Whatever it was. It was in the garage. You would, yeah, naturally. And your crackhead son was telling people that he owned the house. Right. Back when the documents were there. It's it, There are more questions than anything else. But the bigger question, I think, for a lot of us is, what else is going on? Uh-huh. And you're just not quite sure yet. Oh, I think we do know. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think so. Knives are out. Yeah. They want Joe gone. He's not useful to the Democratic no. machine anymore. Now he's a hindrance. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris in the news, David. Yeah, well, just remember, this is who's waiting in the wing. She went to Arizona, of course, not to visit the border, but uh, talking about uh, energy transmission lines. And here is, without further ado, Kamala Harris explaining how electricity works. Oh, my goodness. Think about it. Every time you turn on a light or charge your laptop or plug in your air conditioner or put leftovers in the fridge... You rely on the power delivered by our nation's network of transmission lines. Really? (laughs) I didn't know that. Mrs. Harris, I have a question. (laughs) This is hot on the heels of yesterday. An ally of Kamala's in the White House says, you know, she's just misunderstood. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious, man. That's a prepared statement, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. One of the first things that jumps out to me, though, is she brings up the air conditioner. How many yeah. people are out there unplugging and plugging back in their air conditioning system? I don't know. <laughs> Honey, did you? Welcome back to the 70s. We're in the Markley household. There was one, and it was in mom and dad's bedroom. <laughs> Got to plug her in. Oh, my gosh. What? And again, it's sixth grader. She's reading, too. <laughs> wow. Man, oh, man. Crap. Yeah, that does not make her look very good uh, on the national stage when everything else is going on. God. It was just no doubt about magical that. fairies that turned on the lights when I flipped the switch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think part of the plan overall, just to be clear on this, is that Kamala Harris would be elevated to president. No, no, I don't no, think no. the Democrats want that. I think it's probably just letting Joe know you do not want to go down this road want- of running again joe to make a public declaration that he's not going to run again 
soon enough for them to grease the skids and get somebody else ready to go. Yes, the whole and primary. We saw and... the tip on that yesterday with with uh, Toothy. Excuse me, Gavin Toothsome. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's probably the guy, but uh-huh. more of that uh, a little bit later. David, the World Economic Forum has been going on all week. Yeah, we got a lot of different stories about that uh, to get to. But you said you have proof that this is actually evil. Yeah. So the World Economic Forum, that's going on where the world's elites are uh, gathering to figure out how to kill a quarter of the Earth's population in the name of controlling the weather. Very worried about climate change, you see. Uh, And here is proof that it's an evil organization. It's a performance by Noah and Gill raising awareness about Red Sea corals. Noah and Gill? Yeah. Okay. Okay, for a second I thought the dude from the darkness was there, like, mocking. Nope. I thought it was Justin Hawkins, but it's not. No, this is dead serious. Okay. I'll throw my head back and see, 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 see. Oh, no. What is going on? Wait for it. <laughs> yes. Artistic whistling. I think my, my, my favorite thing about the World Economic Forum is that it's basically, what if we made a Bond villain be a boomer hippie? And, that's, and then here we go. <laughs> Okay, all I can think is this is what happens when a whole lot of dorks get together and they're going to put on music that they would enjoy. That sort of thing. <laughs> Holy smokes, I don't even know what that is. That I is. All the animals are like, what is going on? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes it. Oh, gosh. The goats want no part of it. That's going to sound like... Sounds like a, whiz. a howler monkey getting a prostate exam, doesn't it? <laughs> okay. More from the World Economic Forum coming up in a few. And then the family of the six-year-old Virginia student who shot his teacher breaks their silence. You know, that that gun was secured. Really? That and much more coming up. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, make it stop. Make that stop. Again, that's music provided to the attendees of the World Economic Forum. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, make it stop. I think the first part of that should be used when David has a news update. (laughs) A little news sounder, you know? There was a piece in the New York Post about Davos and the World Economic Forum because their big thing this year seems to be freedom of speech. You've got to shut it down. Because if we don't, it's one of the biggest threats we have to making the planet and the entire world better. And we know what's good for you because we're elitists. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, they talked a couple of years ago about the Great Reset. And then, of course, they said when people started talking about, oh, my gosh, these people, what are they after? They're saying, what of all these rumors about what the World Economic Forum is? No, you talked about the Great Reset. That was the name 
of that year's panel. Yeah, mm-hmm. there there was actually a guy who got booted off of YouTube because he just posted a clip of them talking about the World Economic Forum, and they, they shut it down for disinformation. It was literally just a clip of them talking about – there was no commentary. It was just, here's video of them talking about the Great Reset. Disinformation. Right. <laughs> it's like the libs of TikTok thing. Stop showing videos of us. Right. right. Holy cow. So what they're talking about this time around, um, and this was part of a panel. You had Brian Stelter from CNN. Yeah. We talked about that the other day. It was also uh, the New York Times publisher, <clears throat> excuse me, who proclaimed that disinformation is the most <laughs> the biggest threat uh, of every other major challenge they're grappling with as a society. And this person actually said, when we make mistakes, we acknowledge them in public. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, New York Post reminds him of Russiagate. Yeah. The 1619 Project fairy tale, along with, uh, as they say, a few dozen other howlers. <laughs> Former New York Times editor Jill Abramson slammed the Times for being part of, check this, the Davos corrupt circle jerk. Wow. Wow. Strong That's just calling it like it is, isn't Mm -hmm. it? And it goes on the piece to say the Twitter files recently revealed that federal officials pressured Twitter to suppress 250,000 Twitter users, including journalists. But if you go to World Economic Forum scoring... That wasn't an outrage. Instead, it was just a tiny down payment for higher truth because just trust them with yeah. the information, not all these people online or even journalists online. So what the World Economic Forum is calling for is, quote, global framework to regulate harm online. Of course. Yeah. So anything they disagree with is harmful. That would be harmful. Yeah. And must be suppressed. So it's worldwide censorship is what they're what they're after. Wow, that's scary. So that's what's going on there right now. Meanwhile, a news update on that awful story in Virginia where the six-year-old kid shot his teacher yeah. on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, the teacher's doing okay. That is good, but. <laughs> I'm trying to make sense of this as I was even reading the story and then I saw it on Fox that the family is insisting the gun was secured. What does that mean? David, if the gun is secured, how'd the six-year-old get it? Yeah, if your six-year-old can get your gun, the gun is not secured. Yeah, define secured. I mean, that that's just well, Is this sense. the Mayorkas family? Yeah. The border <laughs> is secure? Right. I, yeah. The gun was secure? That's that's what I just don't I I don't know that that just seems to defy belief. So that family released a statement saying our family has always been committed to responsible gun ownership and keeping firearms out of the reach of children. Okay, went on to say that this child, the six year old, suffers from an acute disability and was under a care plan at the school that included his mother or father attending school with him and accompanying him to class every day. Yet the week of the shooting was the first week when we were not in class with him. We will regret our absence on this day for the rest of our lives. And the child has been under hospital care and receiving the treatment he needs now. What do you make of that? 
Well, I, as I, everyone I, is going to choose their words very carefully. Well, no, I, 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 to me, I'm not even. I'm just trying to wrap my head around it because that sounds like, like garbage. If your kid has a disability, I don't know what that disability might be. It sounds like a behavioral issue. Yes. Um. Then that makes it even more questionable or it makes it even more obvious what the question is, which is how did a six-year-old with behavioral issues have any sort of access to a firearm? Right. Well, sympathetic victimhood, too. Yeah, I, again, it's like, I, I and it, there is a part of me that feels for the parents because they screwed up. There, yep. There's no question. If your six-year-old gets your gun, you screwed up as a parent. Yep. You have a responsibility when you own guns to keep them out of the hands of your kids. Um. But I, so, but at the same time, I mean, I, I I don't know. This makes no sense to me. No. What do you mean by secure? Like you thought it was in a cabinet that he couldn't reach? I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> and and they're supposed to be with him at the school all the time. But this was the one week. And the other thing that I'm unclear on from the story and what I've tried to look into is was this just one week off, mm-hmm. and then they were going to be back the next week, or this was the first week that they wouldn't be there with him ongoing. No. I don't know. But again, you're left with asking more questions than anything right. else after that story. Um, so I don't know. And and then, of course, you feel like a jerk for even asking, but doesn't it enter your mind? If you have to be with the kid at the school all the time, at that point, is homeschooling a bad idea? No, Because it's not, yeah. it's not like... You're missing work. You have to be there at the school. Yeah. Unless you feel you're not you... qualified. Okay. I mean, I mean that's, that's at, the only thing I could think of. At the end of the day, the, que- the, the, the only thing that runs through my mind is lock up your damn guns if you have yeah. little kids in the house. In the end. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Okay. Uh, much more to get to, including how many cops have left the job in just the last couple of years. This was predicted, and it's happening straight ahead. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Well, this is a big story to me. Seems like it should be a big national story. Um, and it's been talked about a bit before, but America's police exodus. I mean, we've lost so many cops in the last couple of years. It's... Well, depending on where you live, it can be really scary. I mean, if you look at the percentages, and then there's an anecdotal story to this, which is really interesting. Um, you've got, what, Chicago has lost more cops than it has in two decades. Gosh, dang. New Orleans is oh. backfilling its shortfall of officers with civilians. New York is losing more police officers than it has since figures began recorded. Minneapolis and Baltimore have similar stories, along with St. Louis. Um, Nationwide resignations, uh, let's see, jumped by 18% and retirements by 45%. Hiring decreasing by 5%. I mean, it's tough. Yeah. And then a lot of people will have the response of, well, this is easily predicted. We predicted it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't even have to have a massive groundswell or a massive movement of actual defunding of the police. But when you start pushing for defund the police, when leaders of various metro areas 
uh, start entertaining the wishes of these activists who have this suicidal and insane idea to defund the police, mm-hmm. uh, it has an effect. When you denigrate a position like a police officer to the level that we saw, especially in 2020, and really it was starting well before that, but it came to a head in 2020, what do you expect? And, you know, I remember saying this at the time, and it's not, I mean, you, there's blame to go around all over the place. But probably what angers me more than anything else is the way legacy media treated those stories at mm-hmm. the time. Because they fanned the flames. Heck yeah, they did. I mean, and you could make the argument, they're more responsible for anybody than anybody for where we are right now. Because they knew the truth. And they could have put it out there. But they let the narrative go and go and go. Yeah, what could, and I do believe that's all by design. It is. And what could possibly go wrong with the... Uh, with uh, giving badges to uh, citizens to patrol. Who knows? I mean, you, you got to do see something. Anything, I don't see anything good coming from that, though. But well, anyway, yeah. But you never know, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, it's I get of, where you're coming from, Scott. It, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Well, yeah, yeah it's you, very much a mixed bag. I mean, like yeah. there was that situation in Portland a couple months ago where the uh, security officer, like, just, just, well, one, assaulted two people by pepper spraying them as they were leaving mm-hmm. and then shot the guy because he said he tried to run him over with his truck and you see the video of that and it's like well no 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 no. There, there's really not many police officers that would have handled it the way that that security guard did and it, it's like yeah it, it is a mixed bag because you don't have the same level of training you don't have the same level of accountability even no. like I go to there's a grocery store not far from uh, my studio that they've got armed guards outside of a grocery store because they keep getting ripped off. There's a lady in a, that uh, runs a corner store that keeps her front door locked. If you want to go in to get a soda or a beer or something, you got to knock on the door and she'll come and unlock it because the cops aren't around. <laughs> That's terrible, dude. Uh, the person that wrote this piece that I was reading is Leighton Woodhouse, journalist and documentary filmmaker in Oakland. And part of this piece, he talks about a guy named Brian Land, who is an officer in Richmond, California, um, and how he had to draw his gun to stop two drunk guys from killing each other with metal rods. And he also talks about in 2015, he threatened deadly force to stop a fight between two more drunk guys. One had a hatchet, the other a wrench. On another occasion, he drew his firearm to arrest a man hopping a backyard fence, fleeing the scene of a burglary. And as he writes... None of these things was remarkable in Richmond, a working-class city just east of San Francisco that's notorious for its drive-by shootings and break-ins and carjackings and countless petty crimes. But the author of the piece asked the cop if he had to unholster his gun or how often he did, and he said so many times that they all bleed into each other. Luckily for him, he never had to pull the trigger. But as the story goes, easily could have. Mm-hmm. And if a suspect had made a suspicious suspicious move or pulled something out of his pocket that looked like a gun, and that happens more than you'd think, he would have had less than a quarter of a second to make the most awful decision of his life, whether to kill that person or not. And the cop said, you're in an incredibly inauspicious situation. The chance of making a good faith mistake is high. And that's what it means if you're a cop. And you've got to be confident that if a tragedy occurs, if a life is taken that should have not been taken, 
that your chief or your city council or the powers that be will at least treat you fairly and hear you out and ensure that justice is served. But we know what it's like now. No. A whole lot of cops are not so sure of that. And making the wrong decision is now a lot more likely to land you in prison. And the cops said, it's not tenable for my family. So in early 2022, that's when he's like, I'm going to have to quit this job. That's where we are. Yep. That's what happens. So I hope all of those woke journalists feel really good about all of the death that's happening in all of these cities right now because of lack of cops. You had Kirk Herbstreet on a college football broadcast oh crying. My Remember goodness, that? Goodness, dude. <laughs> Something has changed with And why did he act like that? Because he believed what the other Jamokes at ABC was saying. Yeah. That, oh my gosh, there are just cops that are hunting down unarmed black men to kill them. <laughs> what? Well, there's not. Where's the proof? Of course, it's not there because. That was a lie. They knew it was a lie, but they threw it out there anyway. And so that's why we have this shortage of cops all over the place. That's what you get. All right. I know you've uh, got a lot of story you want to get to here. Um, this is something we do at this part of the show every day. So we're looking through stories. Might not be the biggest one of the day, but it got your attention. Today, David, what's your story? Well, this one actually kind of somewhat dovetails off of what we were just talking about. A clerk at a gas station in Avondale, Arizona, took down an armed robber. Uh, well, because he was packing heat, too. Yeah, well. Uh, this happened early Wednesday morning. The clerk was only identified as Brian. He told Fox 10 he was working the graveyard shift when the robber came in. Okay. He had some kind of, it wasn't even a mask. It was like cloth. So it was very, 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 like, blocked off. But I could hear him say, rob money, you know. So, but in all reality, he didn't need to say anything. The moment he pointed the gun at me, it was pretty obvious what he was there for. Yeah. So then as the robber was distracted by a customer, Brian pulls out his piece and shoots him, shot him once. Mm -hmm. Guy was taken to the hospital. Uh, no one else was hurt. Investigators say the gas station clerk will not be charged because he was defending himself. But there was a local media report that I read where they talked to an attorney who said, well, even though he's not going to be charged, really need to let people know uh, if you're a gas station clerk or something, don't bring your gun to work. Like what? So, because nothing in that job is worth dying for. Well, the the thing is, somebody points a gun in your face, your life is already in danger, whether you have the means to defend yourself or not. You might as well right. level the playing field. I'm like, I read that statement. I'm like, up yours, dude. No doubt, man. I'm don't not do that. Don't protect yourself. Be a victim like everybody else. Yeah. It's the new way. I'm yep. not taking that job unless I can bring my gun to work. Yes. No way. No way. Working nights or overnights at a gas station? Forget it. Wow. Okay. Scott, what's your story today? Well, the uh, Davos, uh, big confab in Davos is underway. And yesterday, our former vice president and 2001 presidential loser, Al Gore, was screaming and screeching on stage. So now, Al Gore has been warning us that the planet is in the death throes well, since, what, about 2000 mm -hmm. is when this started. So this week at the World Economic Forum, he, of course, did his thing. Now, does he really believe what he's saying because he cares so very much about you and me and our well-being? I don't know. Does he? I can't read his mind, but I can tell you this. When he left the White House as the vice president, he was approximately uh, worth $1.7 million. Since that time, he is now worth $330 million. Owns houses in Virginia, California, and Tennessee. 
and receives $2 million a month for a figurehead position at Generation Investment Management, which is a green energy fund that he founded with the Goldman Sachs Managing Director. Why are you yelling? Now, a couple of conclusions you can come to here, right? I should have been a climate activist, number one. And number two, Hunter Biden's got nothing on this guy. $300 million, $330 million worth 1.7 when he was done being the vice president. Wow. And he's invested in this stuff. Of course. What was the one big statement the other day, David? You do something now. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he was he, yelling. His face was red. Yeah. He, yes. He, nonstop. It, it, he just rolled, man. It's like you on this story right now. Yes. He was incensed. He was incensed. I'm incensed. <laughs> passionate. But I don't know why I didn't know this. I guess I just didn't know this. Oh, yeah. I knew he was rich. He was making all piles of money. And by the way, no, none of the places he owns the properties have solar panels. <laughs> none of them. Is that true? That's true. Look them up. You can see this, the bird's eye view. <laughs> you know, of all the ridiculous statements that that dude has made, yep. Uh, one of my favorites, unreal, was that climate deniers were like the Uvalde police officers who didn't rescue the kids. Right. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. Despicable yeah, person. He's a bad guy. My goodness. Uh, my story today uh, comes from Newsweek, and it's about the controversy earlier this week in hockey, the NHL. Oh, yeah. And Ivan Provorov, who did not want to wear the Pride jersey on Pride night at the Philadelphia Flyers game during warm-ups. And, you know, he didn't make a big deal about it other than to say again. Everybody, I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I went to say. But as it's been well documented, knives are out for that guy from sports media, from different hockey media, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, the left. But Brad Palumbo at Newsweek writes a piece that says, I'm gay, leave him alone. Did hey, you see this? He's getting out of line. Yeah. Well, yeah, he, Brad Palumbo is a uh, libertarian writer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised at all that he would have that opinion. And then at Newsweek ran it. Good. Yeah. That's a good thing because, you know, as he, you know, takes down this entire thing, he actually backs him up to say, you know, he signed up to play hockey, not to be an ambassador of a particular cause or movement. What's more, we have to be honest about the fact that the pride movement is not some apolitical human rights based, based cause as Provorov's critics make it sound. It is unfortunately very closely tied with democratic politics including support for abortion, gun control, and a variety of other issues people of good faith can have earnest disagreements over. The oddest part of the backlash is the way Provorov is being accused of failing at, quote, inclusivity. Yeah. You can probably guess where this is going, right? Well, yeah, it's not very inclusive. Yeah, we'll include other people unless you have religious faith. Right. You're not included in right. this. You need to bow down. And so... I'm glad that Brad Palumbo wrote that piece. I don't know if anybody on the left will actually listen to it, but that was actually nice to see. You said it was in Newsweek. It's like eight people read Newsweek. <laughs> well, you know, if, if nothing else, the headline came up. Yeah. You know, from Newsweek, you're like, really? Okay, that's interesting.
Okay, you know that guy from ABC that got kicked off the air for the affair? There's an update on this. You've got to hear the story straight ahead. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. I mean, imagine if... Documents, I don't know. We're doing everything we're supposed to do. Hey, update on a story, or at least somewhat of an update. Remember the dude on Good Morning America, TJ Holmes? Got oh. suspended after the news of his affair with co-host Amy Robach mm-hmm. was revealed yep. a couple months ago. Is he back on the air? No. Okay. No, I think they're done. Hmm. But now, some people from his past are coming out. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Saying he's a terrible guy. Predator. Predator? Predator! Like underage story? girls? No. Oh. I see the story of Daily Wire, and I'm reading it, and this part where he's been called a predator by someone who allegedly knows. Well, the young woman that he slept with when he was 37 and this young girl, Jasmine Petaway, was hired as a script coordinator when she was 24. Okay, And TJ was <laughs> married at the time. 24 is not a young girl. No. Dude, this is what drives me crazy about this story. Okay, some of the same people that will tell you a 14-year-old girl knows that she wants to have a fake penis. She knows she's a dude. Trust her on that. But a 24-year-old woman, now in a workplace, she's powerless over the powers of one T.J. Holmes. She couldn't, she couldn't help it but open her legs for this guy. She's a victim. What? She knew the guy was married. So anyway, this is the way the story reads. He was a predator who took full advantage of his position, and he was reckless. Holmes, he was someone you would grab drinks with, and he and Jasmine started doing that. You must remember, he was a correspondent at the time, and he's taking the time to speak to her about work or whatever. I don't know how long it had been going on before it got sexual, but I do know the first time it was in his office, and he was about to go on air in a couple of hours. They had sex. (laughs) Multitasker. Going on air can be stressful. A little stress reliever a few hours ahead of time. Some people choose a nap. Some people choose exercise. So are you telling me that a fairly well-off, successful, good-looking guy might parlay his professional success and wealth and looks to hook up with a 24-year-old lady? Yep. The hell you say. That's what we're finding out. That's never happened before. Again, I'm not defending the guy. The bad guy. Oh, yeah. Don't cheat on your wife, obviously, but... Predator? No, not a predator. She was defenseless. Says they had sex, and I know she was confused afterwards as to what it meant. That kind of, did that just happen feeling? I mean, that's pretty risky behavior on his part. What just happened? Uh, You started working with a dude that somehow you admired, and you got caught up in it, and you made a mistake. (laughs) Stop the victimhood with this kind of crap. Be responsible. You're supposed to be, you know, a slayer of all things, girl. Come on. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show.
the Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. The plot thickens with the classified documents. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, to me, it's so much more than just the classified documents. Because you'll have people say, you know, the classified documents, is that big a deal? Well, in this case, it very well could be when you're talking about Ukraine, Iran. Because <laughs> that's what went missing in Biden's possession. Well, what were those documents about Ukraine? We don't know. Well, the bigger deal to me really isn't. If it were like, okay, it, it, it's not the documents themselves, really, that he had top secret documents from his time in the Obama administration stashed away in a bunch of different places. The biggest deal to me is that once they were finally forced to acknowledge the existence of that batch of documents at the Penn Biden Center, they lied and said that was it. Yep. Even though they'd known about a month earlier that there was another batch of documents found at his home. That's what raises the red flag. Okay, what are you actually hiding here? Because we've caught them in multiple lies. Yes. And I really do. I think, and this is, of course, speculation. I think it's something to do with Ukraine. I really do. We'll see in the end. But, I mean, this isn't going away. And I think more than anything, we're also thinking that it's somebody within the Democratic Party, and this is coordinated, to just give Joe the big message, you can't run again because they know he can't win. So this is how he responded yeah. to the question because he got irritated. Oh, he got very irritated, yes. You know, the only I, I will answer the question, but here's the deal. You know, what quite frankly bugs me is that we have a serious problem here we're talking about. We're talking about what's going on, and the American people don't quite understand why you don't ask me questions about that. But having said that, what's your question? What was going on again? Oh, it was, it, he was in California <clears throat> to talk about relief efforts in the wake of those massive, deadly floods. Do you know any American person who's saying, you know what I want to know from Biden right now about the floods in California? Yeah. Even if you're in California, do you think Biden's going to inform you on anything? Right. I mean, at that point, you're, you're really looking to officials from FEMA, maybe right. the governor, people from the governor's office, state legislature the American Red Cross, the Salvation Army, those are the people on the ground. And somebody that can give you accurate numbers. Right. Not that guns have killed 5 billion people. (laughs) Yeah. Or some stat that the president just makes up. Right. So, no, of course, if you're going to be there, that's the big story right now. That's what people want to know about, dude. And, And he was asked, do you have any regret that you didn't reveal the existence of the documents back in November when your lawyers found them? Right. Hang on. Okay. Look. As we found, uh, we found a handful of documents were failed uh, were filed in the wrong place. Hmm. We immediately turned them over to the archives of the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find... Wait a second, but then others were found. There's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Thank you. So that's the biggest message he's trying to push. And some media outlets, hey, they're cooperating. Here's the difference between him and Orange Man Bad. Total cooperation. Totally different situation. And that and the number. The number is always important, too. Small amount. But also, have they really been cooperating? Because 
Mm. For a lot of this, the Justice Department hasn't been involved. No. And then the Department of Justice says, yeah, we don't need to go through all this stuff with you guys. You guys go ahead. Biden lawyers, you go ahead and go through this. We don't need to be there. I mean, we knocked down the doors at the other place in Florida. That, yeah, but that was different. Yeah. That was Orange Man bad. Right. This is different. You guys, we trust you. It's all good. You know, no problem. Yeah, something's not yeah. right there. No. Nope. Okay, David, you said you had a piece of audio that I was going to love. Yes. Yeah, I think you okay. will. Uh, it is the head of the Department of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. No. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he is ta- or he was talking about the border crisis, the historic border crisis uh, that has been happening under his watch and Joe Biden's watch. Uh, he says, hey, it's under control. This was at the United States Conference of Mayors. We're executing a comprehensive strategy to secure our borders and build a safe, no, orderly not. and humane immigration system. What you're saying is we have had open borders for the most part. Uh, We've let over 5 million people in. It's been by design, and I continually lie. That's what it is. I mean, (laughs) I'm not going to freak out again. It's just so maddening. And you see, you know, I saw an interview last night that Tucker Carlson had with a guy on the border in Arizona and he's talking about yeah we're producing this lettuce here but you know shoot when a coyote comes through here we don't put that out to the public now you've got you know hundreds sometimes thousands of people coming through here we can't do this we're not equipped for this the federal government's not doing their job he's one of so many different people but now at least for the rest of the country, they're starting to find out, hey, this is a problem for all of us because you've got illegals being flown to different places in the United States in the dead of night. All of a sudden, there's a bunch of people in your town. You're like, what are we supposed to do? We're not equipped for this. And the federal government's basically saying, up yours, deal with it. Your problem now. We have a fentanyl crisis. Yes. People are dying every single day. Every day, people are dying on the streets of this country from fentanyl that was brought in through the border, smuggled in, because there's no enforcement, and it's wide open. Correct. This is crap. Did you see this? There was a thing on, was it NBC News last night or one of the news I was watching? More people have died now from fentanyl than heroin. Wow. That's that's how prevalent this is. And the zombies that were on the streets. Yes. I mean... It's it's unbelievable. And this guy knows that. He knows it, and it's so frustrating because that that is just part of the problem. No. I mean, finding a place for everyone and being unable to deal with the influx is one thing, but what they're bringing is something completely different. You know, again, every time this guy, Damn, his name man. comes up, and then people think I'm psychotic because I really want someone to put a shock collar on him <laughs> just a, for a strong dog. Yeah, every time he lies. And every time he lies, just a couple of warning shots. And listen, if you're going to lie again, we're going to juice this thing up. Next one's going to be 70 out of 100. Next one's 80. (laughs) Until he is just right. ah! It is maddening, man. The good news is anytime I bring that up, I have a lot of people that will message me that it's far worse than a dog collar, actually. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Stop lying. But, it's, it's, I, but again, lying. it's all by design. It's all by design to destroy the country. Uh, switching gears. Big shocker here from the New York Post. More New Yorkers moved to Florida in 2022 than any year in history. Yeah, weird. Right. As Legacy Media is, keeps talking about how Ron DeSantis is destroying the state of Florida. Yeah. A lot of I people where really they like bring that. their politics with them. A lot of them don't. I mean, that's uh, thank God. I, br- I bring that up for for my fellow Texans who get a little bit worried about the influx from California, New York, Illinois, et cetera. And I just remind people that in the uh, what was that? It was the last Senate race. It was the Beto versus Ted Cruz Senate race, 2018, where non-native Texans were less likely to vote for Beto than na- native Texans. Yeah, Because the thing is, a lot of people know exactly why they left the state that they left. And they're not interested in bringing their politics they, they, because they wanted to escape. You know, it's, it's, I, this is a dramatic example and not a one-to-one comparison, but it's kind of similar to if you hear, uh, it's kind of similar to people who lived in old Soviet countries. When they're in college, they think the socialists in college are absolutely crazy. Yes. Because they've lived under it. Right. <laughs> I know that's like an extreme the Cubans example. in Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Or you'll hear someone uh, from Korea in the United States now saying, I've seen this before. Yeah. What's going on in this country? You don't want this. I'm telling you, you don't want this. But you have a bunch of people brainwashed from college <laughs> that think, oh, this is the way to go. We got to yeah. love people. Yeah. True socialism has never been tried, is what they say. And it's like, no, it's been tried a lot, and it fails. The, the arrogance time. of that, unreal. Yeah. Well, from this story, I'll just give you this line real quick before we move on. <laughs> it's talking about like 65,000 people moved from New York to Florida. And <laughs> at the DMV in Jacksonville, a uh, person that works there said, oh, they come in every day. I hear all the complaints. I feel like a therapist sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but- Our state was so terrible. Let me tell you about it. Okay, I'm here to listen. Go ahead. Yes, welcome to Florida. Thank you for coming. I uh, did see a different story um, about Ron DeSantis. And holy cow, uh, this was a Yahoo story. But the headline grabbed my attention. It said, woke or joke, DeSantis is trying to keep straight white men like me perpetually angry. No, I mean, everybody knows that, right? What are you talking about? Uh, I'll read a couple of lines from the piece and just have you react, okay? Says, in case you're not paying attention, guys are constantly reminded that we are victims of diversity, feminism, and what has generally come to be known as wokeness. Here in Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis plays the role of civil rights leader for us beleaguered straight white males. This takes many forms. (laughs) You know how they had the uh, NHL job fair that was directed at recruiting diverse job seekers who are pursuing careers in hockey? Yeah. Well... it was pretty racist the way they set that up. Oh, and yeah. DeSantis fought against it. Um, and it's mentioned. And so this writer says, yes, NHL, you are officially on notice about your planned events in Florida. Unlawful discrimination will not be tolerated. The writer says, yes, it's high time for white guys to have a presence in ice hockey. We will not be taking any seats in the back of the Zamboni. No, why, did, why did DeSantis do what he did with that story? Because it was excluding whites. That's racist. That's what he's fighting for there. Not just, hey, what can I do today to make straight white guys, you know, 
better off or to stand up for them or to make them angry. It's just insanity. Again, it doesn't matter what color you are. If you can play a certain sport at a high level, you will play. You will play. To say that there's too many white guys in hockey. I got to tell you, man, from whether it's been basketball or baseball, golf, different things, anybody I've played with who's been black has never said to me, I just, I feel like I was never given the chance to play ice hockey, and I'm bitter about it. I've just never heard that personally, no. just anecdotally. <laughs> no. Just telling you. Um, don't forget, tomorrow is use your gift card day. Oh, yeah. Quick reminder. Yeah, thanks for that. Did you know how much money goes to waste in unused gift cards? I'll bet a ton. Anybody have a ballpark on that? Uh, half a billion. I'll say $300 million. $21 billion. Dang. Smokes. Yeah, look through. Get any gift cards? Just a reminder after Christmas, you might want to use those. How much Al Gore made last year? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got to get to this audio. Dude's upset he can't work out in a women's gym. You'll want to hear this straight ahead. Marshley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. So we have an upset gentleman. Why? Well, because you can't use the women's gym. Well, is he no. identifying as a woman? Mm-hmm. Yes. What's the problem then? The assault on reality continues. This time we're going to the Canadian town of Parksville, where a morbidly obese man who thinks he's a woman is mad that he can't work out in a women's only gym. And just to paint the picture here, the guy kind of reminds me of like Chris Farley, but in a long, frizzy wig. (laughs) Okay. If you saw this person walking down the street, you would say that's a dude. It. Okay. Period. Um, but so the he, long hair doesn't fool anybody? Not in the least, no. Okay. It looks like somebody's doing a bit. It really does. Uh, Bridget Klein-Simpson uh, tells Czech News that he went to a place called Body Works, which has two locations. One of them is reserved for women. The gym told this person that they were more than welcome to use the co-ed facility, which also, by the way, has gender-neutral changing rooms available. Maybe all you want, right? Yeah. But that's not... Good enough. Okay. I was extreme, extreme, devastated. I mean, there's really no other word for it. Oh. It was just important to me to like be in a place that would be like explicitly accepting, like you know, you are a woman. You can, you know, you're allowed to be here. I'm- uh, you need to go see a counselor, pronto. Yeah, I mean, that- all it takes is education. I mean, you, you know, like once you understand, you know, like trans women are women, trans men are men. Non-binary people are who they say they are. And you need the education. Sorry. I mean, it's just, it's as simple as that. Like, and if you're still uncomfortable, if you still feel uncomfortable after that, I mean, I mean, that's on you. No, it's actually not. Yeah, because this guy is actually saying, "I feel uncomfortable in a co-ed gym." Well, I would say then that is on you. That's a you problem, because <laughs> his own logic. Right. Your your own your personal mental health issues do not invalidate. The rights of women. Correct. Period. He he is a tub of goo. He, he's a big guy. He's a big fella. Yeah, in um, all fairness, he doesn't know what he is. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't seen it in years. <laughs> See. <laughs> yes, that's what you were just doing. You looked him up. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, you didn't take David's word for it that the guy was huge. He's, he's a large man, yes. I'd take a look-see. Uh, okay. Here's the owner of the gym who says he's open to ideas and options, but also there's, well, this whole logic a- aspect at play. Okay. Do we pick 
the comfort of the transgender person and they may not be as comfortable with the co-ed gym, but at least that's an alternative. Or do we pick the comfort of the young girls that are working out there? They may not feel comfortable. I don't know if is that fair to them. No, it's well, not. No, it's not. Right. It reminds me of the teenage girl outside of San Diego. Same thing, who is, you know, trying to talk to the people at the YMCA. Hey, there's a there's a biological male in there. They're like, yeah, sorry you're upset. Get over it. They have every right to be there. This is insanity. No, they absolutely should not. You notice it never works the other way? What do you mean? Like a woman wanting to go shower with the guys? Well, no. I mean, think about the Very restroom unusual. we had gone to for years at a yeah. workplace. Yeah. Okay, I would have identified it as a woman every time because that bathroom was well-kept and didn't smell like, I mean, hell. <laughs> right. Paint's peeling off the wall. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin show. Okay, biggest story of the day is? Uh, Biggest story of the day is Joe Biden is adamant that there's no there there with his cover-up of the classified documents hoarding. Right. I guess what else is he going to say? Right. There's no here there. I mean, there. You know the thing. Who knows what he's going to say about that? Uh, We'll get another update on that. Also, there's a new survey out that shows that college is not the top priority for parents of students from kindergarten through 12th grade. And I would imagine with everything going on in our society right now, there's a good reason why. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, wow. And sex talks with six-year-olds that didn't go by parents first from a school? What's going on? Mm. Coming up. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, this is an interesting survey, David. Yeah, I think so. And this is a a sign of things to come. And I think it's a positive thing, honestly. Uh, Really interesting survey on American education put together by Populous Insights. This is a think tank uh, founded by a guy named Todd Rose. This guy went from being a high school dropout on food stamps to teaching at Harvard. I mean, wow. amazing life story, seriously. Make that into a movie. Yeah. I'll watch. And, and yeah, and so he uh, is very interested in neuroscience. He's very interested in, in education. Uh, well, they looked at the priorities of parents for kids in the K-12 through system. Before COVID, college prep was the 10th highest priority. Okay. Now it ranks 47th out of, like, 53. Something like that. <laughs> wow. Uh, and here, and seriously, you're talking about a major shift in priorities in the last three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a look at the top ten priority, or some of the top ten priorities. Uh, number one is to have kids develop practical skills like managing personal finances. Uh, cooking was on there, and like making appointments, just doing life stuff, life skills. Makes sense. <clears throat> uh, number two is critical thinking. Also in the top yeah. 10, learning basic reading, writing, and math skills, prepare for a career, giving the students the option to choose what they want to study based on interests and aspirations. And by the way, ha- on that same note, having all students study the same common set of courses was number 54 on the list. <laughs> People want more individualized education that addresses practical needs and desires. You know, man. When you talk about the first three, 
And, you know, you're talking about practical skills and finances and cooking and making appointments, all of that stuff. Is it partly because before you didn't have to worry about that so much, your kids were going to know that or you were going to teach it to them, that sort of thing? I don't know because I don't think there's many answers as to why there's been such a shift. But I also wonder as far as, you know, college prep, that more and more people are waking up to the fact that, man, a lot of colleges are so woke. I don't know that I want to send my kid there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to try to undo everything I've taught this kid. Well, it's also the financial side of it, really. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're yeah. like, mm-hmm. okay, wait a minute. I keep hearing about this student loan debt crisis over and over and over again. I keep hearing about the president trying to cancel all this debt. Obviously, it's not a worthwhile investment. So the irony is that the lefties are actually helping to destroy uh, higher education by complaining about taking out bad debt. Yes. Well, critical thinking is very important, too. I mean, I don't know if you've ever done this before with different people, with kids, say, is if you're watching some TV show and then here come, you know, the different advertisements. You're like, all right, what are they trying to sell you there? It's always really interesting Mm -hmm. because kids will figure this out pretty quick. I mean, even if you got 12-year-olds, you know, it's like, what are they trying to sell you? Well, they're trying to sell you beer. Like, right, obviously you're not of age, but what else are they trying to sell you? And then they'll start to figure out that if you drink, you'll be around good-looking girls and you'll be like at a beach Mm -hmm. and everybody's having fun. Right, trying to sell you the whole lifestyle, you know, just the critical thinking of you know anything, and then you do that with a newscast like Lester Holt. Yeah, when you're armed with the facts, what what is he trying to get people to believe here? Yeah. Oh well, perfect example of this is last night. Lester Holt was himself on NBC Nightly News uh, covered the Alec Baldwin charges of involuntary manslaughter. Yeah, and the phrasing he used was. Helena Hutchins, the cinematographer, was killed by a prop gun. I heard that. Yeah. No, the, the prop gun didn't kill her. Alec Baldwin pulling the trigger of the gun killed her. And again, I, okay, explain this to me on a movie set. A prop gun is a gun that doesn't work like a real gun, correct? No, I, I think it's just, no, no, no. I think that, that was the misconception that we talked about uh, over a year ago when it happened. Anything that is on the set for the purposes of being in the movie is a prop. Okay. So, like, you could have a real knife, and it would be a prop knife. I think, colloquially, we might think of prop gun as a fake gun, but not necessarily. Okay. But it does give the impression that, yeah, it was supposed to be a fake gun. Exactly. Okay. Man, is that wild. That's an interesting story. Meanwhile, speaking of education, I saw this story at Daily Wire. A group of Ohio parents is suing their local school district. Why? Alleging that activist teachers talked about gender and sexuality with students as young as six. Gosh dang it. God, that irritates me. Okay, go ahead. Eight parents filed a lawsuit, federal court, against Hilliard City Schools in Columbus. They said the uh, teachers uh, were allowing or they were allowing teachers to have intimate conversations with children as young as six about sexual behaviors, sexual attitudes, mental and psychological questions of the student and the student's family, and private religious practices. They're taking place without parental consent and knowledge, and that the teachers are taking specific actions to hide them from parents, according to the lawsuit. 
Lawsuit states this is a recipe for indoctrination and child abuse. Yes. That is grooming behavior. If you're having secret conversations with children who are not yours about their genitals, you are grooming them. And that's your six-year-old, and you found out you had teachers in that school talking to your kids about that stuff. Hmm. <laughs> no. Go ahead. I know what you want to say. Oh, dude, would you be surprised if nope. all of a sudden nope. there's a dad that's saying, okay, somebody deserves a beating? No, right. Yes. You wouldn't be surprised at all. I've tried to go about Not this the right way, anything. and apparently it doesn't work. So now I have to take matters into my own hands. No, we're not advocating anything. No. But if it happened, you'd understand. Well, if it were your kid. Holy cow, man. You know, I mean, think about that. I mean, if it's your kid. Hmm. I mean, they're not our kids, but if they were. It's, yeah, my six-year-old comes home and has this information that it's, was given to him or her by a teacher. Yeah. It's easy to put yourself in those shoes. Yeah. It really is. Uh, here's some good news. DeMar Hamlin is making daily trips to the Buffalo Bills practice facility. How about that? After we thought he might die wow. that night on Monday Night Football, um, Bills head coach Sean McDermott said that DeMar Hamlin had been at the practice facility almost daily and is just trying to get back a little bit of a routine. Wow. This is really cool. And people are wondering, is he going to be at the playoff game this weekend in Buffalo against the Bengals? Just maybe just in yeah. attendance, right? He's in not attendance, playing. right? He's not going to play, right? They're thinking about him, you know, going right up against no. D. Higgins. Yes, of course not. Just attending, yes. <laughs> well, David and I didn't know. We okay, just, I'm we sorry that I didn't clarify yeah. that. Sorry that he would be at the game. No, he's not playing. <laughs> okay. Goodness gracious. Well, I didn't think so, but uh the coach said he is just getting himself just dipping his toe back in here and there and getting on the road to just being back to himself that's really cool that would be cool if he led the team out of the locker room though yeah or something like that i think so too um you know i saw that story in a couple of different places and thought it was cool and may and now i'm feeling like maybe i'm one of the few that is wondering are they going to try to figure out is there a way to try to figure out what caused it was it the commodio Cardis, the one in every, I don't know, million four million yeah. chance? Yeah. Or does he have an enlarged heart? Haven't heard figure that out. No, I haven't heard any update on it. There's no definitive reason given as to why. A lot of speculation. But... Isn't that a fair question? Sure it is. I'm guessing DeMar Hamlin wants to know that. Hey, what, what exactly happened? Yeah, usually when you have a coronary... Arrest like that, you know why. Yes, I would say so. Um, technology news. I don't think anybody's going to like this a whole lot. Um, this is starting in Japan. Researchers have come up with a new type of alarm that prevents you from daydreaming. How so? Tracks your brainwaves. So if your mind starts to wander, it can tell and it will play an alarm sound to make you focus again. Back to work! Mm. Is it an audible alarm? You can make it whatever you want. Wow. Make it like a dog collar if you want, shocking. I don't know. They put electrodes on people's heads and then gave them a simple 20-minute task where they had to hit a button when numbers flashed on a screen. When their mind wondered, they heard a tone play. They didn't know what it meant. Researchers said just ignore it. But even then, it still worked. 
Their minds only wandered 44% of the time compared to 55% when they didn't hear the tones. More productivity That's, in the workplace. That is yeah. <clears throat> that is a total dystopian nightmare thing, right? It's like, hi, welcome to the company. Here are your electrodes for your brain. You get off task a little bit, we're going to zap you. Basically treating people like uh, working dogs. <laughs> I can't wait till they have the staff meeting. <laughs> You're going to have tones going off all over the place. <laughs> that's, actually how, that's actually how you will uh, solve the, uh, the energy crisis, right? You just hook that up to the, to the grid. So every time someone's you know, mind starts to wander, it zaps and then transfers that current into the grid. Light up the room. <laughs> it could be like those where like, the lights are exploding. No, there's so much energy coursing through this. <laughs> you know you know, I'll get both of your reaction, but I'm really interested, Scott, in yours. There is a thought that creative types, they need the space to be able to daydream. Uh-huh. Okay, to just let their mind wander. So just being out of the workplace for an hour or two at a time to just think. Do you think there's anything to that? Or do you think that's just a load of ooey? What? Do you think there's anything to it? I don't know. You don't. No. I don't. I don't. I think it's totally true. Do you? If you're on task all the time, you don't let your mind wander. It's hard to come up with ideas that are anything but stock that has already been done. To think about something that's never been done before or something creative, I think you need a little bit of space. You're the one that struggles with that. What do you think? You think you would do well then? Yeah, sometimes. That's why I just yeah. I want to be by myself for just like an hour right. at a time. Right. Yeah. I believe that in the, in the power of creative naps. By the way, I don't know if y'all have ever tried that before. Reach a I'd roadblock. Yeah. I'd try it. Do you nap in the afternoon? Uh, sometimes. Late in the afternoon? Depends on what's going on with the kids and whatnot. I did yesterday, and I had this weird dream that Scott Robbins quit the show because I made a parody version of that song, Walking in Memphis. Oh, the Mark Cohn song. Yeah, but the the... I don't know why, but I woke up with this in my head. The parody was walking in cat piss. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. Are you saying it was at his house? No, he got. He was just. He was so incensed that I besmirched that song yeah. that he quit oh. the show. Because I walk in and I'm walking in cat piss. Yeah. Oh, do you think there was anything else to it? Because I, you're always ripping on Robbins because he doesn't discipline his cats the right no, way. I guess not. <laughs> because I'm so offended because I'm such a big Mark Cohn fan. Yes, too. exactly. Yeah. If you have time over the weekend, can you work on that song? Because I want to hear Walking in Capus. I really do. All right, we've got to get to a real news update. Green Jean-Pierre is taking questions. Next. The Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley. David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Oh, no, this isn't good. Debt ceiling. Uh-oh. Probably heard some talk about the debt ceiling. Yeah. Uh, and the evil Republicans in the House. Mm -hmm. uh, they want us to default on loans. <laughs> That's the narrative from legacy yeah. media. It's like, no, you got to cut spending. We can't just keep raising the debt limit. This is getting insane. Well, and the counter argument that I keep seeing over and over again is well, the debt ceiling isn't about new spending. It's about uh, financial obligations we've already made. Yeah, genius. That's exactly what 
Republicans are concerned with. They say, okay, we've already had these uh, financial obligations made. Moving forward, we got to figure out how to live within our means. Yes. And so, yeah, I mean, people on the left, that dope at the New York Times, Paul Krugman, Democrats don't try to appease economic terrorists. <laughs> You're $31 trillion in debt, the you dope. Paul Krugman, isn't that the guy who said that email would go the way of the fax machine? Yes. Years ago? He's wrong about everything. He's, an idiot. He's always wrong. Yeah. Karine Jean-Pierre is now taking questions. Nothing about the classified documents yet anyway. But the question comes up, hey, well, you got a new Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Does Biden want to meet with him? He's going to be in town next week. Uh, this is about a minute of her saying nothing. Here we go. So I know there's been reporting on this. I don't have a date to confirm uh, from here about a potential meeting with uh, uh, speak, uh, Speaker, the, new, the newly minted, as you just uh, try and say, uh, Speaker McCarthy. The president has, as I just mentioned at the top, as you just said, Phil, a series of meetings with, uh, he's going to have a series of meetings with leadership uh, in Congress to talk about an, an, a, a, you know, a range of issues that matter to the American people. Okay, we're halfway through. Th dude, this is embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, again, don't have anything to confirm here. And one of the things that the president is looking forward to do is talking about issues that matter to the American people, as I just stated, but also uh, to, to, to continue to develop and grow uh, their relationship, their working relationship to, together. I don't have, uh, again, I don't have a, a specific date uh, to announce from here. She's no good at this. I feel like I'm at a Van Halen tribute show and somehow somebody pushes me on stage and they hand me a guitar and says, play the solo to Hot for Teacher. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> ding, 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 dong, I'll do a dive bomb, a little bit of tapping, but I can't play that. That's her every day. Yeah. Where's that got to try attitude, huh? <laughs> I'll try, but it'll be like that. Except in her case, it's more like Helen Keller trying to fill the role of David Lee Roth. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work very well. God, oh that's brutal. Oh, my goodness. Okay, we got to get ready for our Big Friday Five. It's our countdown that we do every week. You know, in the last couple of weeks, we did do greatest guitarists of all time. You know, Eddie Van Halen got hosed on that deal, but he got second. We also did greatest vocalists of all time. Yep. In the past, we've done the greatest singing bassists of all time. Oh, yeah. You know what we've never done? What? The greatest drummers who also sing. Greatest drummers who also sing. Yes. Oh, boy. So when you go criteria for this kind of a Friday Five, a lot of this is also, okay, the songs that the drummer sang with this band, were they, were they big? Do they stand the test of time? It's a different kind of list, but this is fun. If you want to get in early, uh, the number is 210-619-2053. There's a couple of guys, really, and everybody else. The greatest drummers of all time who also sing on the Friday Five. Next. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. It's that time on Friday. Our countdown to Friday 5 starting like this.
countdown is on. You know what this means? It's our favorite time of the week. Anybody wants to get mellow, you can get the f*** out of here, all right? The Friday Five. It will test your head and your mind and your brain. On the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Friday Five. A different countdown today. Never done it before. The greatest drummers of all time who also sing and sing lead. Not just backup, but sing lead. Yeah, lead singers. <clears throat> lead singers of bands. They didn't have to be designated necessarily the lead singer, but they did sing songs with the band. Yeah. Yeah. Might have been somebody else that sang lead on other songs, but they sang right. lead on at least some, some of their of songs. Some of their songs, right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because we've done greatest vocalists in the past couple of weeks and greatest guitarists. We've done singing bassists before, but never singing drummers. Right. So this is very interesting Wait and a different way singing, to do the countdown. Singing tambourine players next week. <laughs> There's a lot of those, actually. I know, I know. Um, again, the number is 210-619-2053. Okay. Uh, I think we're ready, right? I think we are, yeah. Just dive right into it. All right. Let's start off with Greg. Hey, Greg. Greg? Yes, I'm here. All right. What you thinking, Greg? Gentlemen. Yes. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Greg. You're going to call me the coffee, Costa Rican coffee czar after this one. I'm going to dedicate this to my wife, Monica, and it's uh, Tommy Lee, Motley Cliff. <laughs> Are you talking about the living and loving tribute to his son, Brandon? That's deep, man. Wow. So sad. I love you. I love her. She's your mom. Mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's poetry. Yeah. I actually got a headache laughing so hard listening <laughs> to that song yesterday. You didn't listen, man. I don't want to take credit, you know, for a whole lot of songs that you love. But I will for that one. <laughs> you you okay? should. It brought you entertainment. I it did absolutely it not? did. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sang with such conviction. He did. I wonder if that's one of those, because you always hear interviews with artists talking about, man, with this record, I'm really not proud of it. I wish we wouldn't have gone about it that way. I wonder if there's any sort of, you know, feelings like that with T-Bone, Tommy Lee. Like, oh my gosh, what a hunk of crap. Yeah, if Mick Mars said to Nikki Six, we need one more song. You got something? (laughs) Tommy goes, I do. (laughs) Okay, who's next? Uh, Let's talk to Mary. Hey, Mary. Hey, guys. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Mary. What are you thinking today for a singing drummer? Well, I thought of a couple, but I guess I'm going with Phil Collins. Yeah. Very well done. Number two. Solo Phil Collins right there, and of course, lead voice of Genesis. So we went through this yesterday. The amount of hits between Genesis and his solo career is astounding in that period of time. Anecdotally, I happened to watch, and it was sort of cheesily done, it was a documentary about the Led Zeppelin reunion in 85 at Live Aid, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't their best performance. Phil Collins has been blamed for that for a long, long time, and that's kind of what the documentary was about and how he played in both London and Philadelphia that day. Phil Collins does his set, plays with somebody, then hops on the Concord and flies to Philly to do a set there. 
and then play with other people, including Zeppelin. But there were two drummers. It was him and Tony Thompson, who was with Power Station at the mm -hmm. time. And they were trying to get in sync. And I won't go with all the spoilers, but it was really fascinating. And Phil Collins came off as very likable. Although he says now, looking back on it, it was a little pompous to perform in both cities that day. Mm -hmm. But he was asked to do it. With the untimely, I shouldn't say untimely, but the death of David Crosby yesterday, I learned something. Yes. In, what is it, 1994, I believe, David Crosby had a liver transplant. Okay. I remember that because there was some you know, questionable character involved with David Crosby and the fact oh, yeah. that he moved up in line to get a transplant, right? All right. But the guy who wrote the check and paid for it all, the liver transplant, which was not cheap, Phil Collins. Wow. Wow, man. How about that? Yeah, I, I did not know that until yesterday. The other thing is you forget how huge Phil Collins was. Oh, my gosh. Throughout the 80s from the early part all the way through the end. Yeah, it, that's something. Now, on with the countdown. <laughs> Phil okay. haters are really hating us right now, yeah. Who's hating us? Phil haters. There's a lot of Phil haters, too. Listen, I'm not going to tell you I, there are any Phil Collins songs on my personal playlist. There's not. God, I hate to say But that. I respect uh, I respect him as a musician. Say that. Probably have 20 I don't like 30. anything he's ever done, <laughs> yeah. but I... But, yeah, I don't... I, he's not in the same league as, like, a Mark Knopfler or... A, or Somebody that I actively hate, you know, not at all. I bet if you hung out with Mark Knopfler, you'd find him to be a delightful gentleman. I would never do that because I don't hang out with pure evil. <laughs> he seems like a good guy to me. All right, who's next? Uh, let's talk to uh, Philip. Hey, Philip. Hey, TJ from the Texas Panhandle, fellas. Philip! Hey, Philip, how are you? Thanks for checking in, man. Hey, you betcha. How about uh, the one and only Levon Helm, the band? Yeah, Levon Helm. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Take a load off Fanny. Take a load for free. Take a load off Fanny. You know uh, who else he sang with later on? Who's that? Levon Helm? Yeah. Right no one. Right on. Somebody else that's on this list. He did? Yeah. Tesla? I would give it away. No, you're going to make me say it. I don't want to say it. Do you want me to just play the artist now? Uh, sure. Somebody else is going to call for him, I'm sure. Uh, he played probably. with this person. Yeah, we'll, we'll put a pin in that. Okay. Yeah. Yes, and I think you saw it live in concert, Did Scott. I, not with LeVon Helm, though. I think so. Really? Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll have the answer to that, to caper that now. within the next oh, 17 minutes. Wow. Right. Okay. Uh, let's talk to Donnie. Hey, Donnie. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good, Good. Donnie. What you thinking? I'm I'm going with uh, Don Henley. Oh yeah. yeah, gotta be number one. There were voices down this yeah, that was an uncontested number one. Yes, to me, honestly, it's like Don Henley, Phil Collins, and then there was everybody else because yeah. the amount of big songs that these guys sang on with their band or solo, both of them. Right. You know, the thing about Don Henley, you'll hear these songs. I don't know if this is anybody else or just me. And I loved a lot of these songs. But some of his activism and the nonsense he says, yeah. it makes it harder. He's kind of dialed that back a little bit since they're charging like $3,000 a ticket to get in <laughs> to see him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
Okay. Just if we raise it to five grand, we'll be able to save Walden Woods. Right. Promise. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Greatest singing drummers of all time for the Friday Five. Who's next, David? Let's talk to John. Hey, John. Oh, yippee Friday, brothers. <laughs> John, hey, John, thanks for checking yeah. in, man. Always good to hear hey, from you. What are you thinking it. today? Well, you know, I'm uh, thinking of a guy kind of made me a firm believer in, along with you guys, in the, that Viagra making you live longer, you know, because I'm pretty sure I'd, I've been taking it for a while for other health benefits. I'm probably going to live for another 500, 600 years. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I'm going to have to go with uh, Mickey Dolan's, man, because I'm monkeying around. Heck yes, John. Number five. I'll confess. I couldn't remember who the monkey strummer was till yesterday. <laughs> you asked me. True, and I'm like, he sang those songs, man. He's in the conversation. This is Davy Jones. Well, last train to Clarksville is Mickey Dolan's. Yeah, this is more Davy than Mickey. But, but still, big yeah. part of these songs. And I always remember, it's like the monkeys, that TV show is played in the 70s, and it's kind of like a joke. And then they have a reunion in the 80s, and it was massive. Huge. And you were a top 40 radio, and you were giving away concert tickets to the monkeys. I brought Davy Jones. I picked him up at a hotel and took him to a concert. Did you get your picture taken with him? Nope, never did. Oh, that man. That was before they had, you know. Because his head would have, like, come up to your nipples. Yeah, he was not very big. Yeah. No. He was a delightful chap. Did he sign a baseball yes. for you? Did not. I wasn't oh. doing that then. Oh. I wish okay. I would have been. All right. We got time for one more real quick? I think so. Let's talk to Jane. Hey, Jane. Hi, Jane. Jane. Yes. Hi. Yes, your turn. I have to stick up for the ladies. Karen yes. Carpenter. Karen Carpenter. Yeah. Yes. You know what? Another person I did not know was a drummer until yesterday. Great call, Jane. Yes. Okay, not showing off the drumming skills here. But as we'll often do, putting together this countdown, I'm down this rabbit hole, and I'm watching this jazz drum solo from Karen Carpenter. It was astounding. Yeah. Had no idea. That was pretty cool. All right. There was another lady that I was hoping that could have made this list, but it's a one-hit wonder. More on that a little bit later. Okay. I'm talking about the greatest singing drummers of all time. Don Henley was number one. Phil Collins at two. Mickey Dolan's at five. So that means we're still looking for number three and number four. The number's 210-619-2053, and we'll wrap it up next. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. All right, we got a news update we got to get to. The Scott Robbins trifecta. But first, we got to finish up our Friday Five countdown we do every Friday. Today, the greatest singing drummers of all time. There's your number one, Don Henley. The Eagles there. Two, Phil Collins. Number five, Mickey Dolenz of the Monkees. Also had honorable mentions like Karen Carpenter. Levon Helm, is that how you say it, Scott? Uh -huh. I want to say it the way you say it. Yeah, Levon Helm. Yeah. And others. And now back to it, David. Uh, let's talk to Bill. Hey, Bill. Hey, guys. Good evening from Texas. Hey. Bill, thanks hey, for checking Bill. in, man. Hey, brother, uh, first-time caller, long-time listener. I love you guys. Listen to you just about every day. 
Uh, I'm old school all the way, baby. Uh, played in a band for many years, and we did a lot of GSR. And you know yes. where I'm going. Oh, yeah. Don yes. Brewer, Donnie Brewer. An American band. There you Number go. Number three. Big pick from Robbins here. Well done, Scotty. Well, he sang this one. He sang Walk Like a Man. He sang Some Kind of Wonderful. They're all big hits for these guys. No doubt, man. Shining On, he sang. Yes. Yep. You call it job, Bill. All right, who's next? All right, let's talk to Brad. Hey, Brad. Brad. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead, Brad. You're on, buddy. What you thinking? How are we doing today? Doing great, yeah, man. I had a lot to choose from, but I think I landed on uh, Peter Chris. Peter Chris. Good choice. Number yeah, four. Okay. There's Beth. Sure there is. Huge hit for Kiss. There was Hard Luck Woman. There was Black Diamond. I like Peter Chris's voice. Me too. Oh, and then you cut it. <laughs> That's really cruel, man. Wow. Singing drummers who wrote instrumentals. <laughs> <laughs> David, that's not just passive aggressive. That that's was, flat out freaking aggressive. That was just in honor of the other members of KISS. Apparently, as I was, I was doing this, uh, putting this the music together, I found out that uh, the rest of the band didn't even show up in the studio. It was Peter Chris, the producer, and uh, the New York Philharmonic. I think, so the boys weren't really calling. No. I, yeah. I think... Well, no, me, all of the boys were leaving. <laughs> yeah, Paul was playing cards apparently at the time. Interesting. Okay. Hey there. There you go, Peter Chris. All right. Those were big hits, though. You got to say that. Yeah. All right. So we got our five, but there's still honorable mentions to get to in yeah. the last couple of minutes here. Who's next? Uh, let's talk to Scott. Hey, Scott. Greetings, everyone. <laughs> Greetings, Scott. Thanks for checking in. How are you? Oh, trying to get through the last couple of weeks. Very difficult, very difficult. I think Uncle Magoo has, you know, whacked my phone. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Got to watch out for him. It's, well, you know, it's no surprise that classified documents were found in President Magoo's garage. You see, he thought they said Victoria's Secret, and that is where he hides his lingerie. Catalogs from Dr. Dill. <laughs> Got it. That makes sense. And you and I also heard that one of the documents was titled Two Internet of the Pressure. And it reads <laughs> And this is what it said at the beginning. It said there was an old pervert named Joe whose VP was just a dumb hoe. I have a plan on my lips to help free the nips, then out for the ice cream will go. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Well done, Scott. Yes. So do you have a singing drummer today? Yes. After I got done playing with my Susie Homemaker oven, like the other Scott, I just want I, I just want to be prudent here and state what I said before when I was being prudent and say that I have been saying this from the podium that so my pick is Roger Taylor. Oh, yeah. Roger Queen. Queen. I'm in love with my car. Yes. You know the weird thing about doing this list that made it tough is where did you put someone like Dave Grohl? Because he's a drummer and he's a singer. But he didn't play drums and sing in Foo Fighters and he didn't sing in Nirvana. But you almost feel like he's got to be somewhere on the list, you know? 
There's a couple like that. And the answer to the other question. Talking about the singer from the band. And he sang with someone else, too. Yeah, who? The, well, Ringo Starr. His all-star band. I didn't see that one. You did see it live, though. Yeah, I did, but he was not the drummer. Oh, uh, okay. That All right. Got it. But yeah, Ringo's definitely in the conversation. There were a lot, man. Gilmore from Triumph. Kelly Kagan, Night Ranger didn't get any love except from me. Meg White. The list goes on. That's a good countdown. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Biggest story of the day today, David? Uh, well, it's the uh, apparently uh, ongoing crisis of the top secret documents that Joe Biden was hoarding from the Obama administration days. And he says there's no there there, but he also has no regrets. But he also takes top secret information very seriously. So surely not all those things can be true at the same time. And we'll hear from Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, uh, on that very soon. By the way... Is this now something that you can just figure out with the coding of speak if it's a politician or a corporation that says whatever it is they take seriously? They're talking about a story where, in fact, they didn't take it very seriously, and that's why they have to answer for it? That's what it seems. All right, news update on the Scott Robbins trifecta. Next. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Scott Robbins trifecta coming up in just a few. News update, David Van Camp. Man, it, uh, <laughs> it, it, it is quite something watching the White House press secretary, <clears throat> Miss Make-A-Wish, uh, Jean-Pierre, try to handle a legitimate political crisis uh, for her boss. Because yesterday, Joe Biden was talking about or was asked about and answered a question about uh, these classified documents that he was hoarding from the Obama administration days. Mm -hmm. And he said, I have no regrets. And uh, about any of it, about not, well, presumably he was saying he has no regrets about telling, not telling people about it before the midterm elections when he found out. And I'm thinking, well, of course he has no regrets. The, the election turned out pretty good for his party. Correct. So, of course he has no regrets. But that does undermine the idea that he takes classified information very seriously. <laughs> of course it does, because it's all over the place. And he didn't even remember it was there, Yeah, according to him. Right, which is very sloppy. That's that's yes. actually almost worse than if he was keeping them for some other reason. Correct. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about the, uh, the statement that Joe Biden made yesterday, especially the no regrets part. Okay. Again, he is he that's nothing new. He has said that before. Uh, but again, I'm not going to uh, get into parse uh, the words of the president. It <laughs> that's kind of your job, actually. As yeah, the, just, <laughs> under job description, it's there. Yes. <laughs> they got nothing, man. They're not they don't want to talk about this at all. There was a misstep at the very least. And like you said in the beginning, David, they were caught flat-footed. They yeah. didn't know more was coming down. I think they thought they were in control of the situation, and someone else is more in control. Yeah. And you just don't know if you're going to find out more about other documents. So I think they're really stunned that the rest of the media caught on and was actually reporting it. I thought I don't think they expected that. But no, man. Well, and again, when we're going with the theory that the knives are out, and that someone wants Biden out, or at the very least, 
to say, Joe, do not run again. You can't win. We're done with you now. You served us well, but you got to go. And really, to me, more than anything, it was the CNN story from this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. The David, you played where they're actually talking about Hunter Biden and the activities that was on the laptop. And they're showing screenshots of the emails from the laptop. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my gosh, they're actually reporting this now. What has changed? Well, now the midterms are over and nobody really wants Joe to run again. And that's that's what I think it really is. So be following that. Well, it's Data Dump Friday. You don't know what's still to come a little bit later this afternoon. All right, Robbins, are you ready for your yeah, big three? Yeah, let's rock and roll, baby. Are you ready? It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Every day at this time, the Scott Robbins trifecta. And helping him with the countdown is always his hero in life. I'm Casey Kasem. Yes. Hi, Casey. Ready for yeah. the weekend? Yes. Okay. okay. I'm ready. Okay. Three. Uh, number three, there's a new Paul Pelosi update you're telling me. This is weird because, you know, we were just talking about this the other day. It's like, what happened to this story? I mean, the last time we checked, right? I mean, there was all this talk about the intruder and Paul walking toward him when the cops got there. Yeah. There were early reports that the dude was in his underwear. I mean, there, were all the, there was all this stuff being reported, right? Yeah. And it was a hot story for a hot minute, and then it was gone. The story just disappeared. Well, last month, there was a preliminary hearing, and a slew of evidence was presented, including the elusive 911 call from Pelosi, the body cam footage, interviews, and the Capitol Police security footage. This is all being hidden right now from all of us. So several news organizations now are suing to get access. including the AP, all the Alphabet Networks, CNN and Fox, San Francisco Chronicle, Washington Post, L.A. Times, just to name a few. Now, last year, if you questioned the narrative of the Paul Pelosi attack story, you were what? A conspiracy nut, (laughs) right? Yeah. Along with Miguel Armaguer from NBC News. Yeah, who got put on the island of misfit reporters for months. Yeah, I want to hear part of that again. When he reported that day, yeah. it was early November. Law enforcement, tell, law enforcement officials tell us the bottom line here is this was a terrifying situation. We still don't know exactly what unfolded between Mr. Pelosi and the suspect for the 30 minutes they were alone inside that house before police arrived. Officials who were investigating this matter would not go into further details about these new details. Yeah, but the other cr- part was that he walked back inside when the cops yes. got there. If you're in fear for your life, why would you ever do that? And who concocts the underwear story? Did he or didn't he? Who just out of thin air goes, yeah, the guy was there with his underwear. I mean, who says that? No one. Unless it's true. Who knows, man? Well, anyway, they're keeping this from uh, all of us. And lawsuits plenty are flying right now. We'll see where this goes. But, yeah, this you're right. This story just went away. It was here. It's, gone. It's the way they it's do it, gone. man. Gone. Yep. That's the way they do it. We're getting it. closer and closer to number one. Yes, the Scott Robbins trifecta, top three stories of the day. Two. Biden's supply chain task force leader has never attended a meeting. Tom Vilsack. <laughs> Is, you remember Tom, agricultural yeah. secretary? Uh, he pledged, made a pledge to participate in meetings with the newly formed supply chain disruptions task force. You do not, I didn't know this existed, but it did. Mm-hmm. An initiative that Joe Biden said would solve. 
the crisis with the whole of government approach. Yeah, they were looking for root causes. No doubt. That's joke. right. That's what That's they were right. actually. No, I know. Everything's about root causes. These promised meetings, by the way, have never occurred. Not once. Not not even a little <laughs> bit. Not even for five minutes and then dismiss. <laughs> no records showing that Vilsack or his designatees even participated in any meetings with his task force after it was launched. Instead, Vilsack has focused his efforts on accusing the meat industry of using the pandemic as an excuse for unfair profits. By the way, he wasn't the only absentee member of the supply chain initiative. Pete Boot Edge Edge, <laughs> another task force co-chair, quietly went on paternity leave in August 2021. Two months passed before anybody noticed Boot Edge Edge not only wasn't at the meetings, but wasn't even in his office. Well, no, because he didn't do anything. And if you ever no. ask him about it, he says, well, why are you questioning a gay man? Exactly. That's no, that's exactly. literally what he does now. Let's form a committee and let's make sure that things like this never happen again and we can straighten out the bottlenecks and then no one ever meets. <laughs> now, <laughs> on with the countdown. This can't happen anywhere else. It can't. Scott Robbins trifecta top three of the day head now up to number one. Number one, Kamala Harris explained very helpfully how electricity works. She took time out of her busy day being Kamala Harris, whatever that means and whatever she does. Uh, she gave a speech, the content of which is even goofier than usual. Uh, she talked about electricity and how electricity works. Children. So she's in Arizona. No time for the border. No, 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 no. But she no gets, time for that. She gets to spin this yarn for the sixth grade class that was there. I say that jokingly. It wasn't, but sure sounds like it. But here we go. Think about it. Every time you turn on a light or charge your laptop or plug in your air conditioner or put leftovers in the fridge, you rely on the power delivered by our nation's network of transmission lines. Wow. When you stick a fork into an outlet, it can really feel the effects of electricity. <laughs> Golly. Okay, when this is all said and done, do yeah. the people that write for her, are they trying to doom her? Boy, Because a lot like of this it. stuff, I mean, some of it's been off script for her. Other parts, not so much. Maybe in the hands of somebody, a better messenger, it would well, work out. I don't know. If the if the thinking here is that there are party brokers who don't want Joe Biden to run again, they also know that Kamala Harris doesn't stand a snowball's chance in hell of ever winning the presidency on her own right. Correct. Is it possible that the same people who keep finding classified documents everywhere that Joe Biden's ever lived, is it possible that they are also the people who are conducting the media training? For Kamala Harris. Basically, it's like a coach coming in to tank the rest of the season to get draft picks. That could be. Because that is the word. They know that they can't put her in the position. Yeah. And honestly, other people really believe that it wasn't Joe Biden's choice. It was Biden's handlers that said, you have to take Kamala Harris. And the selling point to Joe was, listen, this is going to keep you from being impeached. Because no one will really want to do it because she would be next in line. Right. Now, I know that's getting really deep into it there, but that's that's been the thought. Well, I wanted to finish watching it, but I had to plug in my air conditioner. Yeah. Yeah, that's not exactly timely, is it? Well, who does that? <laughs> not a whole lot of people. 
No, I, I think if you went percentage of Americans, it would be incredibly low. And there you have it. Yes. Um, one other thing that I happen to see, I, I don't know if you find this surprising or not. I saw this at Daily Wire. The actress, Octavia Spencer, mm-hmm. is doing an interview. Mm-hmm. And she's you know, they're talking about racism. She's a black woman. She's 52. She grew up in Alabama. And in the story, in the, the question and answer, she's saying, you know, she's proud to be where she's from. And she really sort of looks back on her childhood with fond memories and said, you know, it's interesting because I'll be honest, I felt more racism when I first moved to Los Angeles than I ever, ever had in Alabama. Wow. She said she expected L.A. to be progressive. She recalled thinking, oh, California is going to be this free and liberal thinking place. Claimed she was singled out while shopping in a store. She said it's so funny. It's right out of Pretty Woman. I remember going into a shop and being followed. Like at first, I didn't even, I was just like so excited, but I'm walking around and then I realized I was being followed. Said it was kind of strange in that way. It was glaringly obvious. But she says she doesn't believe she's been discriminated against since then. You know, it's kind of interesting how there are a lot of large, very liberal cities that tend to be the most segregated and also tend to be home to a lot of celebrities who look down upon the South, which is far much more, far more integrated socially than a lot of places like New York City. Yes. They always look down on these dumb redneck racist Southerners. Yes, they do. But they look at a black guy at their golf club and go, oh, neat. <laughs> <laughs> One other story out there, and you probably saw this, Google is laying off 12,000. I did see that. And Microsoft announced 10,000 earlier this week. Do you think that's anything to do with, I don't know, Elon Musk laying off so many people at Twitter saying, yeah, we haven't missed a beat? Just curious. Maybe. I also think that they've overextended themselves. A lot of tech companies are realizing that in the pandemic, they may have been uh, counting the chickens before they hatch. Like all these people are online now because they're at home and yeah. it'll just keep growing. Not yep. like, well, people are going to go back to work and school and then we won't have all these people yeah. online. Yeah. Yeah. With That could be too. With Google, by the way, in New York City. Yeah. Employees arrived at the office early this morning. They stood in a line to test their badges. If a light turned red, it meant you'd been laid off. If it was green, you were safe. Holy mackerel! <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Park's closed. Yep. <laughs> Moose out front should have told you you're laid off. Bye-bye. Says the guy with the badge around his neck right now. <laughs> Oops. All right. Another news update to get to. And Nimrod's in the news straight ahead. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. Now I can, I, we don't have a lot of time to flesh it out, but the only thing top of mind right now, you mentioned Town Hall. Uh, oh, my goodness, This story, we, we talked about it last fall or mm. late last summer, um, and uh, it involves two guys, a married couple, uh, who were uh, adoptive parents. They, they adopted children or they were foster parents or something, right? Well, they were arrested last year because they were using these kids in child porn. They were raping these children. Yeah. And, um, and then 
apparently pimping them out to people they knew. Um, and the deep dive that that Town Hall did, if you have the stomach for it, uh, I highly suggest you read it. It is extremely graphic. It is heartbreaking. And to me, my only uh, – if they are convicted of these charges, wood chipper, you don't get oh, to yeah. live anymore. You're gone. Bye. Well, and you know national media is not going to pay attention to this story. It's horrific. Oh, no, because they're also gay rights activists. They're they're in the well, yes. in the pride parade, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that yes. that hurts. Well, and and <laughs> the other thing, okay, so these two guys, thirty three and thirty five years old, um, I mean, they look the professional part. Yeah. And you know they're posting pictures with their adoptive sons, you know, on vacation, and you know, putting out this image of we're just a happy family. Yeah. You know, it's a little rough sometimes, but we've made it through our first year together, all this, and you find out everything that was going on and the activists around them and pimping these kids out to other people in the area. It's freaking so sick and stomach-turning. Yeah. But it's something people should absolutely so know So the about. story's the town hall. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. Now we got to transition to Nimrod's in the news. Yeah. Oh, boy. Here we go. Roll it up. Oh, no. The computer locked up. It can't take that when story. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrods in the News on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I love the poorly educated. Well, the kind of thing you couldn't make up for Nimrods in the News. Uh, this was in California. Three men arrested after trying to rob at least two cannabis dispensaries in Northern California's wine country. Grow it well there. During their high-speed escape, one of the thieves' cars, a Mercedes, ran off the road and crashed into a field of solar panels. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> solar panels. Suspects were charged with suspicion of conspiracy, possessing burglary tools, resisting arrest, and evading police officers. They're in a whole lot of trouble. Wow. And a question in Colorado and Denver at Taco Bell. Did a worker put rat poison in a rude customer's burrito? Jeez. We're on that case. That's more than just hacking in it. That's pretty bad. And that's Nimrod to the news.